0: Hello, beloved, and welcome to Grateful for Love. This is Regina. I want to stay in the book of Matthew in chapter 22. Um, And we had just finished up in the previous episode about the greatest commandment. And after Jesus uh, tells the people that are gathered there, particularly the Pharisees that he's talking to, about loving the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and your neighbor as yourself, he goes into verse 41. And I wanted to complete this chapter with these verses because I want us to see how Jesus, I believe, wants to reach anyone and everyone uh, with who he is. It doesn't matter whether a person is learned as the Pharisees are, or not as well educated as many were. Um, And also, it doesn't matter whether a person's rich or poor. It doesn't matter whether a person has a lot or little, uh, where they may live, whatever their status in life may be, I believe that God wants to reach everyone um, in any place, everywhere where they are introduce himself to them, and then um, fill them with his love and begin to uh, show them how to grow and to mature in him in order that the world would know about his love from where they may be going. And so here in these verses, uh, we see where in verse 41, and this is the New King James Version, it says, While the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them, saying, What do you think about the Christ? Whose son is he? They said to him, The son of David. He said to them, How then does David in the Spirit call him Lord, saying, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. If David then calls him Lord, how is he his son? And no one was able to answer him a word nor from that day on did anyone dare question him anymore. And I thought it was just interesting how Jesus is speaking to uh, these men, the Pharisees, and he is uh, talking to them with direct questions. These men are the learned men. They have been trained uh, in Judaism. They have been diligent in their uh, acquiring this knowledge. And so he asked them a direct question uh, that he knows that they would know the answer to as far as their, quote unquote, religious training had provided for them what they had been taught. But at the same time, Jesus also knew that they did not know that the one that they had been waiting for all of this time as prophesied was now standing before them. That they uh, would not acknowledge. Now, Jesus the Christ is wanting then to, I believe, open up their spiritual eyes uh, to who He really is. Uh, He was more than just what they heard about as a man going around healing and preaching. He wanted them to to know that uh, He, in fact, is Jesus the Christ, the Messiah, the long awaited Messiah. That they had been told about and taught about for such a long time. If we look in verse 42, he even then asked the question, What do you think about the Christ? That's the first question. So, uh, and again, uh, they knew what to say because they knew the prophecy. Now, the word Christ comes from the Greek word Christos, which means anointed one or Messiah. So they knew um, and they were correct that he, in fact, yes, was uh, the son of David as they respond to him at the latter part of that verse. Um, I think about this. Uh, I thought it was also interesting that Jesus asked these men direct questions, whereas If you look back in verses, I'm sorry, in chapters 20 and 21, 22, uh, earlier, that he spoke in parables. Now, the parables were um, just simple stories that uh, were used to illustrate a moral or a spiritual lesson as told by Jesus in the Gospels. It provided a more uh, profound lesson or teaching from his divine wisdom. And uh, Jesus, um, because of him being God in the flesh, he could give us a greater understanding of who God, the Father, who is spirit, is. And sometimes we might hear the word transcendent, that God is transcendent. And what we mean by that, or what is meant by that, is that because God is spirit, his understanding or the understanding of him goes way beyond our own human thinking and thought because we're human and we can't really um, grasp or get a hold of spiritual things without God showing us about himself. And that's exactly what Jesus does. He shows us himself about himself. Jesus being God in the flesh is imminent. That's the other word I want to bring out. He's imminent, which means that he makes himself known to us. He, uh, he came as a man in order to be made known to us. He wanted us to know Him. He wanted us to be able to experience Him. And so Him coming as a man, uh, not only did He resolve the sin issue, but He also gave man a chance to, to be with Him and to be around Him, to experience Him one-on-one. And so that is amazing to me that God would Think enough of us to to want to do that. Now, in looking back at these verses in Matthew, um, let's look at uh, Matthew, you no, know, Luke chapter twenty and verse forty-one. Twenty and forty-one. I'm going to turn there. And Luke also gives us another rendering of of these verses, um, much as Matthew did. But Luke picks up at him asking the question to the Pharisees. And it says in verse 41, Then Jesus said to them, How is it that they say the Christ is the Son of David? David himself declares in the book of Psalms, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. David calls him Lord. How then can he be his son? And 45 is to me an eye opener. It says, While all the people were listening, Jesus said to his disciples, Beware the teachers of the law. They like to walk around in flowing robes and love to be greeted in the marketplaces and have the most important seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at banquets. They devour widows' houses and for a show make lengthy prayers. Such men will be punished most severely. Okay, so we see here that uh, you get the idea that in Luke's account, that the reason why there will be a silence, uh, that these men are not able to respond to Jesus. And the question in regards to, what do you think about Christ? They answer that part, and whose son he is. But they are unable to answer in terms of when, it, when Jesus says, how is it then that David, speaking to the, by the Spirit, calls him Lord? They don't have an answer. And in Luke, it lets us know that the people were listening. They were watching to see, what are you going to say? And it says that um, Jesus tells his disciples who are also there with him to beware of the teachers of the law. And you get the idea from how Luke breaks it down, how they like to walk around in flowing robes and love to be greeted. Uh, in the marketplaces and to have the most important seats in the synagogues and in the places of honor banquets and how they love to be seen and to be the ones who have these lengthy prayers that they are are all about show that they want to um, uh, they want to keep their status they want to be able uh, to um, uh, protect their image if you will they don't want to be shown up and so they did not say anything in response to the question that Jesus asked at the end because they did not want to be showed up. They did not want to be humiliated or embarrassed um, regarding that. Now if we turn to Psalm 110, this will be a cross reference we can also look at in regards to this last part of the question that Jesus asked these men. When he asked them, how is it then that David, speaking by the Spirit, calls him Lord? That's in verse 43. So turn to Psalm 110, verse 1. And we see here, now this is a psalm of David. So David himself wrote and was inspired to write this psalm. And verse 1 says, the Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies footstool for your feet. So here, David is saying the Lord, and the first Lord is God the Father. God the Father is speaking to David's Lord, who is, he refers to as my Lord, who is God the Son. And then it says, sit at my right hand, so only God the Father can tell God the Son to have that ranking to sit next to him. And we will see more of that a little bit uh, further down the road as I share some more scriptures a little bit later in this episode. But but just knowing that part there alone is that these men, they knew from the scripture. These scriptures are coming from the Old Testament. And so uh, it says that, Um, And then in verse 4, it tells us, The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Now, uh, Melchizedek is first mentioned, and I have to give you a little bit of info on him. He is first mentioned in the book of Genesis. Genesis 14 and verse 18. And... This occurs shortly after um, Abram, whose name had not even been changed to Abraham yet. (laughs) He was, Abram had won uh, a series of uh, very significant battles. And in verse 18 of Genesis 14, it says, Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine, He was priest of God most high. And he blessed Abram saying, Blessed be Abram by God most high, creator of heaven and earth, and blessed be God most high, who delivered your enemies into your hand. Then Abram gave him a tenth of everything. So here we see where Melchizedek is king of Salem and priest of Most High. Priest of God Most High, rather. And he was in a position to be able to bless Abram. Now, there's also another rendering of this now in the New Testament that goes into a little bit more detail of Melchizedek that I think is important to point out. And I'm doing this only because I want you to see what the men of the Pharisee group They had been taught from the Torah, which was a written law. And then also from the oral laws and teaching that had been passed down to them orally. So these were things that they already knew. And already knew to expect waiting for the Messiah to come. Because of their prophecy. Now in chapter 7 of Hebrews, it talks about... Um, Verse 1 says this Melchizedek was king of Salem and priest of God most high. He met Abraham returning from the defeat of the kings and blessed him. And Abraham gave him a tenth of everything. Now first his name means king of righteousness. So Melchizedek's name means king of righteousness. Then also king of Salem means king of peace. Um, Verse 3 says, Without father or mother, without genealogy, without beginning of days or end of life, like the Son of God, he remains a priest forever. So here we see where Melchizedek was likened to the Son of God back in Genesis. Chapter 14, verse 8 It reminds me of of the passage when the three Hebrew boys were thrown into the fiery furnace. And when the king uh, saw a fourth person, he says, and looked like the son of God. So here again, we're seeing where these men knew, but they didn't, they did not perceive or accept what they knew because they didn't have Jesus to be able to help them. And so that's why Jesus is wanting to help them. But they have to be open to receive Christ and to know that this is in fact the one true Messiah that we have been looking for all of these years for our people. We are now in conversation with him right now. Now, let's uh, go down to verse 11. Now, under my heading in my NIV Bible, it has Jesus like Melchizedek. It says, if perfection could have been attained through the Levitical priesthood, one in the order, I'm sorry, if perfection could have been obtained through the Levitical priesthood, why was there still need for another priest to come one in the order of Melchizedek, not in the order of Aaron so they were saying so if if the priestly line, which was a line of Levi, if they could have produced a perfect priest to come who could absolve the people of their sin, they would have done that. but the Levites, Were men, just like anyone else, they too had to first uh, get their own sins forgiven. So they had to do a sacrifice for themselves first before they could even uh, do that same sacrifice for the people. And then it skips down to 14, for it is clear that our Lord descended from Judah. And in regard to that tribe, Moses said nothing about priests. And what we have said is even more clear if another priest like Melchizedek appears, one who has become a priest not on the basis of a regulation as to his ancestry, but on the basis of the power of an indestructible life. For it is declared, you are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. So it goes right back to what? Psalm 110 and verse 1. And then how the Lord has sworn and will not change his mind, you are a priest forever. That's in verse 20. And then it says, because of this oath, in verse 22, Jesus has become the guarantee of a better covenant. And then 24 says, Jesus lives forever forever. He has a permanent priesthood. Therefore, in 25, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him. Through him because he always lives to intercede for them. He always lives to intercede for them. And I'll stop there. But Again, my purpose for including these verses out of Hebrews was to get you to see that these are all references coming from the Old Testament. Coming from either the written law that they had or the oral law that was passed down in regards to the Pharisees. So they knew. They knew the truth, but they were not willing to accept the truth. Now, when we think about uh, looking at the Passion Translation, and I want to summarize it from here. In uh, verse 41, and under the heading, or the subheading, it says, Jesus, Son of David, Lord of David. While all the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus took the opportunity to pose a question of his own. What do you think about the anointed one? Whose son is he? The son of David, they replied. Then Jesus said to them, How is it that David, inspired by the Holy Spirit, could call his son the Lord? For didn't he say, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit beside me in the place of authority until I subdue all your enemies under your feet. So how could David call his own son, the Lord? No one could come up with an answer. And from that day on, none of the Pharisees had the courage to question Jesus any longer. So again, we see here where he could call him both Lord as well as his son, the Lord, because Jesus was both human, because remember, Jesus is God in the flesh. He had to come as a man. I'll quickly, here, we look at Matthew chapter 1, verse 1. We will see that it says uh, a record of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. So this verifies his humanness, his humanity. He had to come as a man because the first man sinned, who was Adam. And so Jesus had to come as God in the flesh to correct that. But we also know that He is God who did this because that's what we read from the writings coming from um, not only Psalm 110 and verse 1 and 4, but also. Uh, the complimentary verses coming out of Hebrews chapter 7, that God um, swore that Jesus would be the priest forever. That was in verse 21 of uh, Hebrews chapter 7. And that um, he has a permanent priesthood. And then 25 says, Therefore, he is able to save completely those. He is able to save completely those. One more time. He is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he has and he always lives to intercede for them. I got to read verse 26. Such a high priest meets our need. He is holy, blameless, pure set apart from sinners, exalted above the heavens, all referring to Jesus the Christ, unlike the other high priests who came from the Levitical branch. Um, Jesus does not need to offer sacrifices day after day, first for his own sins and then for the sins of the people. He, referring to Jesus the Christ, sacrificed for their sins once for all when he offered himself for the law appoints as high priests men who are weak but the oath which came after the law appointed the son meaning God the son who has been made perfect forever forever glory to God So praise God, beloved. The fact that Jesus preceded King David then attests to his deity. And we see that in these verses I just read. He was in the beginning with the Father. Uh, God the Father, God the Creator. He was with Yahweh. And he came as a man. He came as Jesus, God the Son, God in the flesh to redeem man back to himself. He was the only one who could do this, and so he did it. He did it for you as well as for me. So I hope that you have been helped and given um something to consider uh, just as Jesus was hoping to be able to help these men, these learned men who knew so much about him without really knowing him because they were face to face. With Jesus Christ the Messiah but they did not acknowledge him because of their status because of what they were trying to preserve Um, I hope and pray that we will not be blinded therefore by the things of this life that is my prayer for myself that I will not be blinded by the things of this life whether it's my position Um, the same goes for any of us whether it's our position our wealth Uh, Whatever it is that we think is so important to us, let us not be blinded by those things. Let us um, see clearly when Jesus approaches us, when Jesus um, makes himself known to us. Let us see him for who he is and for the love that he has for us. He wants us to know him. He's made himself available to be known by us. And he wants to know us in that personal And in that intimate way, he wants to be in relationship with his creation. He loves us. He came to prove that love by dying on the cross. And so let us open our arms and receive him and be thankful and grateful that he loves us and has a place for us forever with him. God bless you.